Welcome to another edition of the IndyCar Show here, Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. We'll get Luke Edwards back in here later on in the week, but I wanted to bring in Eric Smith from Race Review Online and talk all things IndyCar. There's an assortment of things, Eric, we can talk about, but first and foremost, man, thanks for joining us here on Burnout Sports. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, finally get to talk to you outside of the track for uh, for one, so it's good. To, thanks for having me and honored to be on your show. Let's go back to that test. Um, it was kind of awkward, I think, for media people like yourself and I, because we just wanted to talk about Indy, right? And we wanted to get here for the month of May. Then you had Barber. I know we kind of talked about maybe you move that Barber race and then move up the practice or the testing that we saw. How important was it, though? Because these drivers aren't getting a lot of oval practice in the month of May anymore. So those two test days, although a little wet and definitely wild, uh, were certainly something that was a must-watch for all IndyCar fans. Yeah, it felt a little awkward that, yeah, as we were talking that I go, yeah, we got a race next week and it's on a road course and it's not here. It's in Alabama. And then we're going to come back here for the road course and and then we'll get ready for the 500. But uh, it was an important test. And, and I think uh, when you, me and you went up top to watch some of that practice, it, it felt like our test here. See, I said it. It felt like a practice, not a test session. It felt like may again it, it, even though the calendar said april so it was very important all these guys got through the checklist that once we hit the ground running and, and on that tuesday practice it almost is going to feel like it's that thursday practice everybody's got a good head start yes weather didn't play a, a very nicely but it still allowed them to get further along than they would have they just would have showed up tuesday it, it it also made a, a good point that maybe we should move this test to may let's get through the other races first and then focus here because I feel like, and as Pato Ward, I think it was Alex Pillow and a couple other guys said in their post-race uh, press conference yesterday, the big one's coming. The big one's coming. The eyes are still on the 500, and rightfully so too, right? I mean, it's our, it's our Super Bowl that you come here, you leave, and then you come back, and you still can't quite focus on it yet. I think it made it a little awkward, but it did help the checklist again at the end of the day that once practice starts that Tuesday, weather permitting – um, after the road course race here, that it's going to be all out race running because they've already got a lot of data to, to, for a good baseline to set up off of. Yeah, and you think about that Tuesday practice, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, your full focus is qualifications. You turn up the boost. Uh, Monday, we saw the schedule kind of change for that uh, practice. We will see a Monday practice, which you and I have talked about, has been probably the best practice we see for IndyCar all season. And you have carb day. And I, I always thought, you know, carb day, you're, you are dialing your race car, but you probably know what you have. And that Friday carb day is more so just making sure that, you know, you and your spotter are connected and you're in and out laps coming off of turn four, hitting that pit road speed limiter. Um, it's kind of what you're focusing on. Let's go back to, before we get the barber, let's go back to the qualifying format changes. You and I talked about it. Top 12 now instead of a top nine. Uh, you had an interesting point about the gap between 20th to 12th and 20th to 9th. Uh, talk about that and what your overall takeaways were from this new, again, a new different format that we'll see for qualifications for the 106 Indianapolis 500. Yeah, I feel like this was really set up with, I think they know, the writings on the wall, we talked about some behind the scenes stuff working on that 33rd and maybe even the 34th entries that, hey, look, we're probably going to end up being capped at 33. So how can we make that day relevant? other than just 33 qualifiers. And so hence the fast 12 gets adopted. And, and I think it helps too, because in the past, it's been the last two, three years, a very Honda dominated qualifying. 
You've seen Ganassi. Andretti's always strong. Meyer Shank last year. Errol McLaren and Penske's were kind of the afterthought. Ed Carpenter Racing kind of held the candle for Chevrolet. They were always involved. But that's it. And now it opens the door, I feel like, to the Penske's, to uh, Errol McLaren SP. Carpenter's always going to be strong. You know Andretti's always going to be quick here. Ganassi's quick. So now you've got a bunch of teams now going for the fast 12 rather than, hey, it's the fast nine or for 18th, 19th, 20th quick. Why go out and requalify? Because we're kind of locked in and let's just focus on the race. Now, especially getting points to the top 12, I think it opens up if you're the gap is much smaller from 20th to 12th than, say, 15th and 9th. Really, you are what you are. Weather is a very big factor on qualifying weekend. We've seen the earlier, the guys early in the draw get better times because, well, it's cooler out. Well, now you're going to have that mid-afternoon. You might as well go make a run because that difference is so subtle between if you're first round, you're 21st. Well, try it again. You might get up to 12th, and now you're in. And all you got to be do is be in because it's all the same for everybody when we re-qualify on Sunday. So it really matters. Plus, starting position matters here again with the last four winners coming from the top eight. So you need to get in that fast 12 if you really want a shot of winning that next Sunday. And, and now the door is more open to everybody. Uh, to do so. So I think it's going to make it better. Plus, we've seen Chevy kind of dominate the early start of this year. Um, can Honda answer? Is that their, is this their answer is the 500? So we'll, we'll really see, but I think it makes more parity involved. And that's all that matters because like me and you talked about there on the test day, the lack of bumping is a huge storyline. But if Jimmy Johnson and Romain Grosjean are in the shootout, that's going to overpower anything going on because people talk about Jimmy Johnson winning the poll for the 500. It doesn't matter about bumping, and that's what I feel like this Fast 12 is, is to get somebody like that in it. Yeah, and there's a lot we can take off of that as well. I mean, you think about uh, the top 12, and you could find something overnight, Saturday into Sunday. Maybe you try something, especially if you have teammates. Maybe you have three more teammates inside of that top 12 instead of maybe just having one or two inside of that top nine. Let's go to the 33rd entry. Um, it's been rumored. I think we know we are only going to have 33 cars. I don't think we'll see a 34th. It's almost like that 33rd entry has a leverage to go to any car and say, hey, we'll kind of save your ass here and be the 33rd entry, but we cap it there. I know you and I talked about uh, if there was a 34th car to maybe start that car as well. I still want to bring that up, even though I think we know that there's only going to be 33 on the very outside chance we do see 34, you and I both agreed that that 34th car should start. And you have some past history of, of teams and drivers and sponsors that didn't make the race that simply just never came back. Yeah, I mean, you look at the recent years, you got Top Gun last year. They're not back. Foyt, out of their fourth. Right now, they're not back. I know there was a tie to that 33rd, and and – who knows what could end up happening, but I feel like Houston kind of outbid that now, and that that became irrelevant. But uh, that fourth car, that fourth Foyt car hasn't been back. The coin, the fourth coin car, when Pippa Man missed it, that hasn't been back. The only one that's been back is really this Aero McLaren car when uh, James Hinchcliffe missed it. Outside of that, they're all gone. Uh, Carlin, that one year with Pato and Max Chilton both missing it. And then Chilton was the only driver for Carlin the year after that. Well, they're totally gone now, too. So the, really the history states since 2017, if you had more than 33 cars show up, the car that got bumped, they're not, not only are they not coming back the next year, they're not even back. And I believe I had that list next to me at the media center then, but I think that we talk, there's only one driver, I believe, is the only one that's even left that's been bumped, that even ha that's even back right now. Um, everybody else is gone on too so it's almost 
career suicide almost if you miss the show because not only is the ride gone but you're gone too so with 34 cars like you and i talked i feel like what's the point of bumping one car when you'd want to keep it around for the future because that engine package isn't now coming out till 24. so next year we're in the exact same boat as we're on this year do you really want to send a team away do you really want them to say well sorry you missed it and knowing the past history well not only did you miss it well thanks for playing we'll see you never do you really want to do that for one car? I don't think that's smart. So if you happen to get a 34th, just let them race. What's the difference? Plus, wouldn't you rather be the guy that can say, I beat 33 other drivers instead of 32? That seems to me that you can at least have that weird, weird random stat because I know, like you mentioned, in the 92 race, only 31 cars took the green flag, not 33 anyways. And then 97, when we had the 35 cars, uh if memory serves i think the entire row five wrecked in turn four coming to the green so you never actually had more than 33 cars take the green in decades um so i think that would hold more weight anyways because this is a quality field and what a better story if 34 car happens to win anyways i think that'd be a funny story too and one that uh we talk about for years to come and i think that you know and i we're all traditionalists but we all you know that cover the sport on a weekly basis kind of have to look at okay, what is the best to make the sport healthier and the business model of the sport healthier? And look, we can get into the poll award should be more than what it was in 1995. It's still $100,000, right? We can get into the purse should be higher and, and, and we can all, we can get into that at another day. Uh, but I will ask you this, kind of the, the approach that I took was, okay, look, you can change this qualifying format all you want, but when are we going to, at least flirt with breaking a track record, right? Like 232 is fast and that is incredible. But I've said this, what makes, and I said this on the last week's IndyCar show, what makes these guys different than anybody else is they can go out and put it on the line. They can go out and run a car faster than what it should be going and put it on the edge and make it stick. Two, these cars are as safe, I think, as I've ever seen. And I think everybody would agree with that with from the aero screen. Um, so if there was a chance to qualify and break some track records i think that's what brings the fans back i mean you can you can dice it up and top 12 this and top top eight that or whatever uh, but your thoughts on eventually here over the next couple of years getting to the getting to the point where we're breaking ari leindyke's record uh that was set in 1996. yeah i think we will i know that's been one of the goals they've been talking about this for years and i remember it was was it 2015 16 range i remember derek walker talking about like hey we're gonna eventually get there that was the plan remember they had the whole sheet of within so many years we're gonna break the record and it never came to fruition and the safety aspect i remember that year cars were getting airborne and as so they switched it all around but now i feel like with this new engine package it's probably going to happen it's again it starts in 24 i know i have to be right about this I think it was during the the fall or the spring test last year uh, when they were out there talking about with the hybrid power and the push to pass and getting to that point. And he mentioned that, yes, eventually that will be the goal. Look, right, this this new hybrid power, it's going to give him more power. It's going to be louder and you're going to get closer to the speeds that we wanted to see out there. The only difference was he wasn't going to give them all the horsepower all at once. They're going to stair step their way to it. So. Do I feel like it's going to be broken in 24? Probably not, but maybe 25, 26. Yeah, absolutely. I think they will. Plus, you can turn the boost up. And I've always wondered this too, especially in these last few years. We're only talking about another maybe one more turn of the boost. We're close, right? I mean, we're at 232, 233. What's one more turn 
to get that up there above 237 just to qualify because we move it we take the boost away for the race anyways the, so yeah. nobody knows the difference on race day that they're not going 237 240 so why for qualifying on single car can we not just turn it up a little bit more just to get there and i I think that's why even if nothing changes, we'll get there soon because they can do that. They know that any Indies about speed and innovation. Well, we haven't really had a lot of innovation lately because there's not whole much, a lot more you can do compared to what you've done in the fifties and sixties. It's more of a, a spec series. They care more about the racing product. And I feel like that's what this younger generation's gearing towards. They don't know how to work on cars. They just want to see the cars. So I feel like you're always going to have that. Well, then how can you get the speeds? That's what's going to bring, the attention back is like, oh man, Jimmy Johnson qualified at, two, qualified at 240 miles per hour. That's where your next boat is going to be for qualifying. I think we eventually get there. I would say in the next five years, we're going to break that record. Is it going to be 24? No, 25, 26. Yes. And then it's the new car, right? The hybrid adds weight. The aero screen added weight. So weight slows you down. So do we get a new chassis? Is that maybe more than the hybrid? There's been discussions like, well, wait a minute, if we're only going to have two manufacturers anyways, instead of spend the money on the engine, can we just get a new car and get there and make it a little bit lighter? So that's been arguably another debate that can have for another day. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, let's break the record. And I feel like it's coming soon. From Race Review Online, Eric Smith joining us here, Burnout Sports, the IndyCar Show. All right, let's go back to Barber a little bit. Um, an interesting weekend. Renus VK showed some speed. Uh, Colm Eilat had a really good run going throughout the weekend. Pato Award gets the victory. But again, I, I thought that the victory for Award, which was magnificent, he had great pit stops, um, just kind of was smooth and, and 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 ran his way in second throughout most of the races. Renus was dominating. And then when it was time to pounce, he did. Uh, and that Arrow McLaren team was really good in the pits. So I'll say it here first. That's my pick to win the pit stop competition coming up back on carb day. Uh, but it was almost, Eric, like it was overshadowed by the Grosjean Ray Hall thing. And then it was even more overshadowed yeah. because Peacock didn't have a post race, right? We were looking for this post race that fans were so excited about six weeks ago or two months ago when they announced it. And now, like, Graham Ray Hall's hot getting out of the car and was hot talking to Rossi after uh, they ran out of gas next to each other. Um, do we have a feud here? Can Grosjean be the villain that maybe IndyCar needs? Or do you think that was just a racing incident and Grammarly doesn't have much of a, of a leg to stand on, so to speak? Uh, I think we could have one brewing. And it, if I was Graham and Roman, I would, even if he talked, which Graham's usually good about reaching out in between races. That's the only bad thing about having a week off this week is they're probably going to talk. They'll clear the air. However, yep. Even if they do, can't they have a little side thing? Okay, man, let's carry this a little bit farther. We're going to Indy. Mm -hmm. You drive for uh, Andretti. My dad's Bobby Rahal. Can we get some feud going here? Just just let's build it. Let's sell it. Let's sell some T-shirts. I mean, what better driver? And I wrote about this last night, too. Right? I mean, Romain Grosjean was the on the poll that came out, the most popular driver in the series right now. So, okay, let's start a feud with him. Let's build a name. Let's yep. build something. That's one thing IndyCar has been lacking is that feud. And now we've got one. So let's hope it stays around. I, I also feel like NBC, granted, first of all, I'm glad they aired, what, 13, 14 races. That's great. I'm glad we're on network yeah. TV again. However, can why would you schedule an IMSA race at 3 o'clock knowing that the race started at 1? Like, you're not going to have time for this post-race stuff. And, yeah, when when Ray Hall, they show him kind of venting to Rossi, 
And those two talking, you knew something was going to happen and then just cut off and like, oh, man, you're going to miss the the fireworks. That's what we want to see. And yes, I do feel like yep. it overshadowed P- Pato, but that is definitely a big storyline coming to May is those two. And and the Pato thing, I feel like NBC missed this, too. I don't I, I'm glad to hear VK mention it because I, you know, IndyCar has the Slack uh, uh, app that you can that Arnie's putting out and like, oh, so and so is this many seconds up. They, usually four or five laps, he'll just have updates. Well, and I looked, yep. went through and looked, and it said lap 60, VK had a two-second lead over Pato. And then you look in the pit stops, and I went, I had to rewind. I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. That thing said a lap 60 was two seconds up. On lap 61, they pit, so he pit the next lap. How did Pato make up all that ground? That's two seconds on a guy that had the fastest car out there because VK led the most laps. He was on the pole. He was quickest Saturday morning, so he had speed. He beat him off pit road. So I'm like, what happened? Well, if you go back and look at it, Jimmy Johnson actually slowed him up. VK caught Johnson, and not like Johnson was doing anything egregious. It was just he caught him in the wrong part of the track. Pato was pushing hard. Combine the factors, Pato was on his tail coming down pit road. So he closed that gap. And then VK acknowledged that in the post-race press conference that, oh, yeah, I caught some traffic. It was Jimmy. Uh, I didn't want to push it too hard. I was trying to be conservative, knowing that I pushed too hard in the past. He comes out of the pits thinking I'm still in the lead. Pato, he just has that aggressive nature by him, and he wanted to go for it. And it combined all the factors. That's how Pato won. But And then you got the overcut, undercut scenario uh, Polo did. And to me, I'm like, that's IndyCar racing at its finest right now. It, you can't turn the race off thinking, oh, we're halfway through the two-stop, three-stop strategies now out the window with that caution. It's a straightforward race. It's over. Well, a lot took place in this final 30 laps, and and I don't want to take anything away from Pato. I don't want to take anything away from Venus. I feel like Romain and, and Ray Hall did a little bit, but I feel like that's a big storyline. And you look at the youth. I mean, the, the podium was at 22.7 is their average age, and they're all future stars. I feel like VK, if he's in the right situation, see what he can do. Pato, his contract situation seems to be rectified. One question I'd have for him here in May is we keep hearing, I'm sure you've heard the reports, that it keeps him there until 2025. Well, he said his goal is to be in the Formula One by 23, 24. You go to 2025, he's past that. So is the door closed on F1 for him now? Is he now, it seems like, maybe okay with that? Because we've seen a different Pato these last two races. But you've got him for the future, VK for the future. But you and I talked about this here in, in Indy, uh, the test. And it, it's again, it's it's a question for the teammates of those two. Connor didn't have a great weekend, and neither did Felix. Felix qualified good, but Felix, again, despite qualifying good, finished outside the top 15. So does their teammates having this success put pressure on them, or can they turn around here at uh, the Speedway here in a couple of weeks during the month of May? But I, I'm curious with, with Felix, again, and his thoughts of that's three straight – top six qualifying counting the pole at Texas. And I don't think he's got a top 15 to show for it. And meanwhile, you got Pato dominating. So that's another little interesting storyline behind the mix. I'm curious to get those guys thoughts on come May. Yeah. And really, I mean, outside of, I guess what you would say the top two in team Pinsky and Chip Ganassi, which it seems like the gap is, is, is very tight. I mean, Pelo obviously finishing second. Dixon's always going to be right there. Marcus Erickson has been pretty consistent. Same with the three Penske guys who are off to great starts as we know, but it seems like all the other teams at Carpenter racing, as you mentioned, um, even, even Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing. I mean, you've got Graham, you know, top seven, top eight, it seems like every weekend, but then you got to go down and find Lungard in 15th and, and Jack Harvey in 19th. And, and we can talk about uh, some of the drivers that need really good runs in the month of May here. 
Uh, starting with the road course coming up a little over a week and a half, we will be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway talking about it. Uh, road course, give me some guys. Jack Harvey obviously comes to mind. Felix Rosenquist, like you just mentioned, is one of those guys who has a pole to Speedway on the road course. Uh, qualifies really well, but then seems to fade. Um, Takuma Sato is somebody, I think, in that camp. Uh, give me some guys you'll be watching for that really, really need to have good, not only just races at the road course, but but overall a really good month of May because obviously these two races with uh, qualifying points being handed out and the Indy 500 being double points, I mean, this is make or break if you're a championship contender here or not, or it can really make and break your confidence for the season here uh, as we enter the month of May. So some guys real quick, Eric, that uh, you're looking forward to maybe knock that monkey off the back, so to speak. Obviously, the four Andretti guys come to mind. Just They're in this situation last year. you got double points. They've always qualified good here. They've been fast all year. They've always been, arguably have had the fastest cars. They just don't finish. So double points on the line, qualifying points on the line. Those guys, this is a quick month to turn that thing around for them. I also look at someone like Connor, too. Yes, his teammate's been good. Connor's fast. Connor's got talent. I've seen it. But he's just had bad luck. You remember the road course race last year? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he qualified in the fast six. I think he got punted in the first lap. And then the the yep. return trip in August, I believe he got punted on the backstretch, not the first lap, but early on. So if, if he can stay out of somebody else's way, it's been things not of his doing. He's been one getting punted. He's going to have a good car. And then the Indy 500, he led the most laps there last year. So I feel like this is a get right month for Connor, too. Um, as you said, Rosenquist, he's a former pole winner for this road course race. I believe it's 2019. Um those two really can turn this around quickly this month, the four Andretti's. And I'm also looking at um, what I felt like one of the big big storylines entering, probably the biggest, the month of May, is Elio and his drive for five. But you got Meyer Shank Racing, two of the last three Indy 500 champions are on that team. They're the little team that could. They've got one career Indy car win. Well, that happened last year with Elio. They've always been good on this road course race, too. Jack Harvey always qualified well. He was always near the podium. The fact that he finished the podium once. Well, I feel like Meyer Schenk has just been kind of under the radar all year. Simon's 12th in points. Elio's 17th. It's time for them to start start turning it around, too. The road course has always been good to both Elio and Simon, even when they were with Penske. Well, let's see what they can do in this road course race, because we know what they can do in the 500. 500. So I honestly feel like this points championship could really flip on its head here this month, because if those guys shine, like we just talked about, and they very well could, well, that gap's going to get even closer than what it already is. So I really feel like we can go to uh, Belle Isle in June, and you might have the top 10 in points all separated by less than 100 points for the final stretch of this season. So this is a make-or-break month for a lot of guys. Yeah, and for me, it's it's I, I agree with uh, what you had to say about Meyer Shank. I mean, we know that these guys will be there for the 500, as you mentioned, um, Jack Harvey and Takuma Sato are two drivers for me that, you know, you, you, you've got to make some noise in the month of May. Let's start with Harvey. I mean, he leaves Meyer Shank to go to Ray Hall. He's got probably the coolest, best new sponsor that's really supporting the sport. Uh, it reminds you of the Kmart days back in the early 90s with High V. He has qualified really well and ran well at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, and then Takuma Sato. We know that that car is fast. Roman Grosjean finished on the podium in that car twice last year at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Pietro Fittipaldi had some really good speed um, for a rookie last year at the 500. I think he qualified 12th, if not mistaken, for Dale Coyne Racing. So those are two guys as well that I'm looking for to say, hey, all right, you know, contend for a win, contend for a podium. 
Uh, show some speed. Show that you can run up front. Uh, because like you said, if you don't, and the month of May passes you by without two good results, the season's pretty much done. Yeah, maybe that you just focus on getting wins, but you need to focus on getting top 10s and top 5s. I think that, that can start for those two drivers here in the month of May. All right, Eric, I know you do a lot of stuff for covers as well. Uh, FanDuel has joined the party, among others. Um, it seems like points bet's been right there. Uh, Barstool Sports, DraftKings, they all have Indy 500 odds out now. We wish we probably had more odds as we talk about on the Burnout Bet Show uh, earlier on, top threes, top fives, matchups and such. But we're going to look at FanDuel's odds here real quick. Scott Dixon is your favorite to win the Indianapolis 500. And I'll always say this about Dixon. Uh, I think books just go straight to him, number one, and say, all right, this is the guy. He's always going to be there. Let's put him number one. Joseph is number two at plus 850. Uh, so the top four, all plus 850, and that's Dixon, Newgarden, Herta, and Pillow. The first three for me, I know you're going to call me crazy, are all fades, okay? Colton Herta has never won an oval. Joseph Newgarden really hasn't been in contention to win an Indy 500 in his career. You can maybe say 19, I think he led some laps, and 16, he finished third uh, behind Carlos Munoz and, Alex Pol- or and uh, Alexander Rossi. Um, Dixon, it's, I usually fade the pole sitter. I don't know why, just kind of something that I do. Uh, he's only won one over his career, which is, which is incredible. Um, uh, and Pol- I think Polo can be right there, but, um, those top four, your initial thoughts on the four co-favorites. Yeah, I, I was looking at that after the test. Um, Dixon was one of the few that I would probably take now, uh, only because obviously as you get closer to time, the odds could drop last year. He was plus 350 going into race day. And granted, he was quickest in almost like every session. Or if he wasn't, he was second. He won the poll. Um, and he's been good here. But it's like you also got to look at a 19 tries. He's won once. So, yeah, what do you do? However, he was in the top, what, five and ten in the both test days. He led the, the first day of testing. So, he's always quick. I do like him for those odds right now because I'd be afraid that he would drop closer to time. Uh Newgarden scares me a bit, and I got it right here, actually. I was pulling up. The thing with him, with where his odds are now, I feel like you might be able to get him a little better odds after qualifying. Because right, because Newgarden isn't the strongest qualifier here. He was front row, I think, that 16-year. But in Texas, he still only qualified seventh. So it's not like he was the best of the Penske guys even earlier this year. Granted, he won that race. But... He only has two top five starting spots in his last 10 Indy 500 tries. So the odds are if he doesn't make the top two rows, his odds may stay the same or get come back even a little bit better to place in odds. Because I do feel like you, I almost feel like this is his year to win this thing. It's like he's been so close. Uh, why not? It's like that's the one thing missing from him. So I just wonder if he can get him for a better number. I also like, and I'm not sure what his odds were, it was plus – a thousand a couple weeks ago, but Pato Award sixth and fourth. Yeah, uh, his only two Indy 500 starts. He won Texas last year. He's coming off of a win uh, Sunday, so I feel like for him. But again, he's the same thing as Newgarden. He started 15th and 12th. So is he going to start up front, or can his odds come back a little bit? Um, but I was kind of looking at the guys that maybe are longer shots that you can go with right now, because as as we said, you get closer to time qualifying happens, odds are going to change but like i look at somebody like an ed carpenter who uh do you have the odds in front of you yeah he's uh he's uh 50 to 1 right now on on fan okay yeah he was 40 to 1 a couple weeks ago so i wonder if he would drop 
He's got six top four starting spots, five of which in the top two in the last nine years. I doubt he stays 50 to one for much longer. So I would grab him before practice starts because we know what the carpenter cars can do. If Ed hops in a train and gets a toe and he's second quick one day and third another, he's not going to be 50 to one long. So I feel like that's a good one. Simon Pagenaud, I know we've talked off air. It's almost criminal (laughs) for where he's at right now. Um, He was 25 to one after the test. I think he's dropped to 28 to one. But he's got three top sixes in his last four any 500 starts. Now he's with Meyer Shank. The team qualified eighth with Elio last year and won the race. So now he's got that similar car. He's a, he's a teammate. So the fact that they're there, Takuma Sato, three top threes, his last five any 500 starts. He was second quickest in the test uh, a couple weeks ago. He's another longer shot right now. Um, Santino Ferrucci, as odd as this sounds, for a guy that he was 70 to one, I believe, after the test. Two top tens yeah. in his two Indy 500 tries. Uh, he was quick in a test. I believe he was 12th or 13th. You can get him for those odds right now. So I almost look at it right now to go for more of the sleepers going into the month instead of jumping on the favorites. Granted, some of the favorites would drop further with a good month. And Dixon, Polo, you might want to jump on them now. But some of the sleepers, because they're longer odds right now, I think they're going to change after qualifying where you, you might just cut it in half. Um, and that's going to obviously make make or break some of your bets on them because you can't grab them all if they get their odds cut in half. So right now, grab them while you can. But, yeah, I, some of those longer shots are guys that it's almost criminal where they are. I mean, Connor Daly was 50-1, to one, and if the tire doesn't fall out of the sky last year, he may win that thing. He led the most laps. He's with Carpenter. So I would almost side with, like, your Carpenter guys, your Meyer Shank guys, Sato's. Get them now. Get them now because I'm telling you, those things are going to change once qualifying week comes. No, that's absolutely correct. The IndyCar Show here, Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. Eric Smith, before we let you go, I'm going to put you on a spot, and this will change, so we'll we'll update it throughout the month. But right now, where we stand, before we even turn a lap on the Oval, obviously besides the test uh, last week, uh, who is your pick right now to win the Indianapolis 500? I, I ran into Anders Krohn the other day on Mass Ave, and I asked him, just top of your head, he told me Elio will do, will do it and get number five. Right now, if you just no odds, no nothing, just your pick. If you had to pick right now, who is going to win the 500? Who you got? I just keep going New Garden. I know I just said to fade him now, but go after qualifying his way. But I just keep going New Garden. He's won two of the last three races on the season. He won Texas. I just feel like he just seems different this year. I don't know what it is. He even mentioned that he doesn't feel much different coming the month of May compared to years past. But I just feel. As good as he's been, I mean, Pinsky can't go over three, right? Is he really going to, since he's bought this track, going to go over three? I mean, he has the ultimate flex right now with this parking spot as 18 right there outside the media center. I just feel like that's going to be 19 leaving here in Memorial Day weekend. And and he just seems like he's on top of it. He's due. He's won Long Beach now this year. It just, I just have this feeling with him right now that just as good as he's running, Newgarden's your guy. So as of May 2nd, I'm going Newgarden. Yeah, it's incredible to think that, you know, he's pretty much done everything in such a short amount of time. Um, he's, he's, he's very much on pace for multiple 500 wins, multiple championships, many, many more wins. Uh, and you still look at him, I mean, he's, he's my, you know, he's close to already, he's what, 31, 32 years old. He's still got a lot of time to go. Um, for me with Penske, can you qualify better than what you did last year? And I know you mentioned you know, with the odds, you might want to wait to see that because Penske did not qualify well. You remember Will Power was on the back row last year, but you're right. I mean, is 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 Roger going to go 0 for 3 in this race? 
uh, owning the Speedway. Um, it's been since Simon Pagano's dominant month, and really 18 and 19 when 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 Power was dominant and then Pagano was dominant. Um, but I think, and, and, and I want your thoughts on this real quick, probably we're going to see probably one of the most watched Indianapolis 500s because I think it is going to be a sellout, which will lift the blackout. There's been a lot more. I mean, we saw Barber was sold out. There's just been a lot more momentum, a lot more following of of, of this. And, and I think the number one factor in that, look, we all like to talk about having a drive for survive type of thing, behind the scenes stuff. But the competition level in IndyCar right now is incredible. Uh, it's probably, I mean, yeah, 95 before the split, you would say you had all these different guys. But, but since then, let's just say since 2000, I think this could be, Eric, one of the, if not most competitive five, like last year we saw the, the fastest 500. And obviously you go back to 13, 14 when there's all those passes and, and you would get sucked up in the toe and you could pass easily. But when you talk about going into the month of May, I, I think there's realistically 16 to 17 drivers right now that have a chance to win this thing, if not maybe a few others as well to get you to 20. So your, your, uh, your thoughts on what we're seeing on the competition level uh, so far this year in IndyCar. Yeah, 100% agree. And I wrote about that this morning, actually, with storylines from Barber and head into May. And, and you look at St. Pete, arguably, they, they from the reports I saw was the, probably the largest crowd they've ever had since that race has been around since 2003. Barber, as you said, is sold out. Long, sold out. Long Beach, from what I heard, was arguably as big as it was since the cart days. They are, they're ahead of, obviously, last year because there's mandates. And, and 2019, they're way above 2019 from the last time we went without COVID restrictions. So... That was big. Texas, granted, we always knew what we were going to get out of Texas as far as the attendance, but that race is similar package to what we're going to see at the 500. That was probably the best race nobody saw, I wrote then. So you get over a million people watching Long Beach with the, on the day of the Masters going head-to-head. -head. You get a sellout for Barber. The attention is there already. As you said, the competition is great. I mean, we've had three different winners by four di or three different winners in four different races, three different points leaders in the same four races. And it's it's the competition is just incredible. You got a few now going on. And then what happens if Jimmy Johnson and Grosjean make the fast 12? I hope they do. I hope Elio is up there too, because you got the, the fifth win dangling out there. What does Andretti do? What does Ganassi do? What does Penske do? We haven't mentioned those guys yet. So I feel like build all that up. You're in for, as you said, probably one of the biggest watched Indy 500s in decades. Also, arguably probably going to be a sellout or close to it. So, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a phenomenal race. We saw what the test held, um, all the passing, even in the test session. So as long as the temperatures play nicely, if you're in the 70s, even the 60s, overcast, you're going to see a lot of passing. These cars suck in good in the wake. Um, dare I say another photo-type finish. We've seen it with Texas produced. I mean, Newgarden passed on the outside, and they said it couldn't be done. So I feel like the best case scenario is you're going to have a fast six going for the pole a week before the 500. You got Elio in it, Grosjean in it, Jimmy in it, and then whoever else the other three make up, you're going to have a phenomenal storyline there building into the month of May. I mean, what would your dream front row be? Because I think right now if you have Elio and Jimmy Johnson as two of your three on the front row, that build up for that week is going to be humongous going in. So just curious, what are your thoughts on the front row? I think that's a big storyline, which is maybe why we had two sessions, is that build up to the 500 race day is going to be huge if you get the right guys on it. 
Well, we talk about like Marco Andretti and Graham Rahal with the with the namesake in the past. Like if that was the driver, one of those two drivers could win the 500. How huge that would be. But as far as a front row, and I think building that momentum and having all that media coverage, I think if Johnson could land that thing on the front row, Grosjean can land it on the front row, and Elio driving for number five. I mean, that's like your three main storylines on the front row. So it would kind of tie it all up. And it's not to take away from any other drivers, you know, qualifying on the front row, but it's just, if you talk about, you know, the buildup and, and, and what would be talked about and on all the newspapers and what we would be talking about and what NBC would, would, would really be so focused on would be, I think if those three, arguably the three most popular globally drivers because of Johnson's NASCAR um, following Grosjean and Formula One and then Elio going for five, which we haven't seen somebody do since what, 1993, if not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, th- I think that would be that would be the three like the dream scenario as you mentioned. All right, Eric, we're gonna do this a few more times. We'll uh, we'll do some updates throughout the month of May. I thank you so much for joining us here on the IndyCar Show. 